Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Dimmitt. Today's guest on the podcast is Mike Kersner. Mike is a software engineer and a very impressive rock climber whose accomplishments range from free climbing multiple routes on El Cap to bouldering V13 and sport climbing 14B. We talked about growing up in Russia and Mike's early experiences with climbing and competing. We talked about moving to the States and discovering outdoor climbing at the Red River Gorge. We talked about Mike's path to trad and big wall climbing and some of the stories from Premier, a 513 plus free route on El Cap that Mike climbed with his friend Sam Elias. And we talked about some of the things that Mike learned from climbing with Sam. I read some of Mike's writing during the episode, and we talked about that. We also talked about a couple poems that Mike has been thinking about lately, about speaking Russian, some of Mike's recent habits, and why his disciplined lifestyle was really born out of necessity. I added some links to Mike's writing in the show notes, including the premiere piece I referenced several times during the episode, and I added links to the poems, books, and videos we mentioned. If you are interested in digging into any of those further, you can find all of that over at thenuggetclimbing.com. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, there is an orange support the podcast button at the top of the website, and you can find a few ways to help out with the show by clicking on that. I've got some exciting stuff coming up on the podcast, some great guests and some new content that I'm going to try out. So keep your eyes open for that in the next few weeks. And thanks for listening, everybody. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Mike Kersner. Are we rolling? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you had oatmeal and olive oil for breakfast? Rolled oats, olive oil, salt, and nutritional yeast. Like savory oats? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you cook the oatmeal and then you just like drizzle olive oil on after? Yeah, I kind of put a lot in. That sounds kind of amazing. Um, we saw this uh, Netflix thing recently, Leslie and I, about how you're not supposed to like really eat any animal products. And that seems like... I don't know anything about it, really. It just seemed like a really popular documentary and uh, not documentary, just like a thing. And I should do more research, but I'm trying to like avoid animal products now. <laughs> hey, well, it had Arnold Schwarzenegger on in it. So, you know, whatever that guy says, I just do it. <laughs> I imagine that guy's eaten a lot of meat in his life. Um, Maybe he's turned he, it. He's like totally vegetarian now. Is he really? Yeah. yeah. That's fascinating. Maybe vegan. When did you watch this? When did you? A couple you... weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So oatmeal and olive oil is the new thing. Uh, yeah. So I'm just like swinging back and forth for a while. <laughs> I was into eggs and now I'm into oatmeal or not oatmeal, rolled oats. <laughs> so yeah, man. How's it making you feel so far? Right now? I feel great. I feel great? Yeah. Okay. What do you do on day, climbing days? Great. Same thing. Um, I don't, don't have a strict routine. Usually I have a lot of eggs in the morning. So usually like some eggs. Okay. Before climbing. Okay. So, yeah. So, I saw you at the crag the other day, and I think you told me, what did you say about food? It cracked me up. I think you just said, like, my absolute favorite thing is eating. Food yeah, is my yeah. absolute it's, favorite thing in the world. For sure. If, if there was, like, <laughs> if there was one thing I could do in this life and, and not anything else, I would eat. And if there's two things, I would eat and climb. <laughs> Actually, it might be eat, then sleep, then climb. Okay. Yeah, so... 
<laughs> climbing solid number three probably i mean probably honestly lower down but <laughs> what do you do so you've done a lot of uh big wall climbing a lot of mountain climbing that sort of stuff do you have a go-to breakfast or like food routine on the side of el cap for instance yeah so i like i sort of have done a lot of that stuff okay it was like sort of pretty compact into like a segment of my life mm. and i still go out and track climb a bunch but definitely haven't been on el cap in a while that was a distinct chapter yeah and i think i want to be back there's definitely some things i want to okay. get back to but um i just like i would use whatever was the lightest up there but this was before i didn't even know about backpackers meals back then <laughs> i feel like that's what i would do now we would, uh-huh. i would just be up there cranking out something super random like what pasta and tuna or something like that okay which, is, which works well, fine yeah but yeah usually go with oatmeal up there because it's oatmeal apples and peanut butter mm. try to keep it really like as lightweight as possible except like water is the heaviest thing so it almost doesn't matter what kind of food you bring interesting because like water is going to be heavier than anything else right and then you need to cook with water if you have all the dehydrated foods so yeah so it's brutal need, you just need more water yeah so you might as well bring like a can of peaches or something like that <laughs> just what some people do uh-huh. people get creative yeah <laughs> but for sure like the eating up there i think i had i like brought radishes up there once radishes yeah are <laughs> 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 you just eating plain radishes yeah yeah it was pretty good you eat them like an apple yeah you know it's like they're pretty good <laughs> yeah i i think because i left the the reasoning was like i left a bag stashed up there for a while Okay. Which you're not really supposed to do, but you know, this was the, like before the wild, the wild west. Yeah, the wild days. the wild west of ten years ago. Yeah. And I was trying to think of what would keep best. Okay. And I because I really wanted a little bit of fresh food up there. Yeah, okay. And um yeah, I thought radishes would be good. Mm-hmm. And they were good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I read some of your write ups from some of your free ascents, which was super fun. I want to get more into that later. But it sounds like some of your hardest leads were fueled by like chocolate right before, <laughs> right before you pulled onto the, onto the wall. Um, Do you have a favorite like pre-send treat or? It's funny because I don't really eat processed sugar now. I haven't eaten processed sugar in a really long time. Okay. So I think, I think the thing you're, you're referring to was, um, so this was on the, on the premiere, which is, um. Premier is one of the free routes on um, El Cap, and it follows mostly the Muir line, which sort of neighbors the nose. Okay. And it is just this like super iconic line. And then Justin Shong and Rob Miller. Rob Miller's a friend. Okay. Um, Justin, I've met just once or twice. Um, they freed that line. And then basically, I had this kind of like mini epic up there with my buddy Sam Elias. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, you guys like shiver bivied through the night in the rain or something? Well, the bivy actually the night was plush <laughs> and it was in the morning that was really rough. Oh, okay. In the morning it rained a lot. But anyways, there was like this crux corner and at that point I hadn't been eating processed sugar for a while, but my buddy Elliot delivered cookies like that afternoon on the wall. Uh-huh. And uh, I definitely broke that rule and had a cookie. <laughs> and it's, yeah, send cookie. Yeah, send it, cookie. It worked, right? It worked, yeah. It was like a 13-plus stemming corner or something? Yeah, it's this... Um, so the premiere is... It gets more traffic now, but this was in 2013 or 14. I can't remember now. 
and back then it was sort of an obscure line. So it follows this incredible um, corner system and it actually has, there's four pitches that are maybe considered cruxes and three out of the four are corners. Okay. So you do a lot of stemming. Yeah. Um, and the one in the kind of in the middle is this like beautiful corner that you're just palming and pressing and stemming. It's kind of like, do you know about the shadow in mm. Squamish? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a, it's hard to say if it's easier or harder because you're in the middle of LCAP, so you're naturally fatigued. Okay. And your legs are kind of tired. Uh huh. Um, well, because you, my legs were kind of tired usually because I would hike in from the top and rappel in. Yeah. But when the sun, obviously. It sounds my, like you've climbed the my shadow. My legs were probably just like were atrophied. Got you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that corner is like the corner of all corners. Wow. Um, yeah. So on, on that particular line, we were got really worked and then had that had that cookie before the before the, the go and send. So yeah. I'm going to read something. I was going to save this for later, but that's that's too perfect of a lead-in. So this is from a write-up that you did about the premier wall that you sent me, which I loved. I loved reading it, and I'd love to share it with listeners if you're open to that. Yeah, for sure. But Go I'll read it. a section from it. And this is after the shiver bivy in the rain in that, that morning. I think like on day five or six or something. You guys had been up there. You lose track of time up there. Instead of going down to the ground, Sam and I commute to our next pitch, a 13-plus blank stem corner. I eat a cookie and try to lead the pitch. I take a 25-foot fall in the middle, and adrenaline is coursing through my body. Warm-up go, says Sam. I pull the rope and climb again immediately. I don't think about falling. I press my feet and hands so hard against the walls, I feel like I'm opening the corner a few degrees. I channel all my emotions into the movement. The fear of failure, the exhaustion of the past four days... In the blink of an eye, I am at the anchor. Sam follows flawlessly. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to write. That's awesome. I don't really write much, but I felt that like after something big happens, you have all these things that you're thinking about. And I mean, this, can, this doesn't have anything to do with climbing really, but it's just like a normal thing. And I think like sitting down and writing, especially if you crack open the beer and sit down and write, mm. I feel like you can really lay all that out. Hmm. Um, Does it help you process things? Or just, um, it, it just help you remember. Yeah, helps helps you. Like like I went back and reread that. I haven't read that in a long time. Yeah. And the, all these things I forgot, and all these like it was kind of cool to like sit down with that piece. Yeah. And uh, think about it again. And I I wrote it for like maybe like five people have read that total. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like yeah. I you know I don't like writing is definitely just something I do pretty rarely but i really enjoy it when i do it yeah why why haven't you shared it in a more public space on a blog or oh yeah i don't know like I, don't, I don't you probably saw this but i don't have like a huge presence on the internet i i have noticed that yeah so um i try to i feel really conflicted about all that stuff okay because on the one hand like it's really fun to spray um and it's really fun to get your friends to like look at radisense and I really, like, I'll post stuff on Instagram every once in a while. Okay. And all these people who I haven't talked to, like, will message me or just they'll send me an emoji. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll like, latch onto that and actually reach out to them and, and have mm. the conversation and catch up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's super fun. And I think that, like, that part of Instagram I really, really love. Okay. Um, but uh, at the same time, like, you know, I work. I'm not a professional climber. So the self-promotional aspect of it really... 
I don't necessarily need it for my livelihood. Mm-hmm. And so I don't put a whole lot of, it just, I just don't know how to play it, man. I'm like so bad at all that stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, cause I feel like, you know, on the one hand, like it's like, oh, I'm bragging or on the, on the other hand, it's like, well, people are interested sometimes. So, hmm. so that's why I just like put a lot of thought into it and end up like getting lazy and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's kind of how it goes. That's really interesting. So I have a few patrons that, that support the show and, um, have submitted some questions. You know, I told them that you were going to be coming on the show Yeah. and Brent asked, this is kind of a perfect lead in. He asked, how does he contrast computer heavy career choices with a complete lack of personal digital presence? I haven't seen any media of Mike directly despite climbing at a high level. Was this a conscious choice? So it sounds like you just, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I'm just not, I'm not like good at that stuff. Uh And, I usually... It's hard um, to balance it. Yeah. I'm all, and I'm, when I'm like up on the wall and track climbing, I'm always like almost dropping my phone. And I feel like... Because <laughs> I have to take out my phone to look at the topo. Uh-huh. And then I'm always like almost... Like it's almost gone every time I take it out. Yeah. It's slippery. And <laughs> I don't have a case on it. And... Uh, you Wow. Look at that. You don't have a case on your phone. I know. Right? Yeah. Um, and... Living dangerously. And so I just shoot minimal photos even though... It'd be fun to have them. Yeah. But whenever, whenever I do have photos and or footage or anything like that, it's super fun to look at, and I'll sometimes send it to like my mom or something. <laughs> but you know, so yeah, it's um, yeah. There's not a whole lot of, not a ton of thought into it. It's just more like probably not driving forward with that angle. Okay. Let's back up a bit to some more of your kind of general climbing. So it's been really interesting lately. You and I have been in, in contact for a while, and I saw you at the sport cliff the other day at Viento. But you've been in the enchantments, you've been bouldering, you've been sport climbing there, you've been kind of all over the place. And when I asked you about that, you kind of joked that, like, that's why you're bad at everything. So true. <laughs> <laughs> but you could also look at it from my perspective, you're, like, quite good at everything. I'm sure it's, I don't know, maybe it feels like it's all relative, but... I'm curious, is that how you often approach your climbing? Do you really like variety and mixing things up or? Yeah. So like Leslie, um, Leslie and I were talking about this and we were talking about doing this interview with you and she asked me like what my angle was going to be. Mm. And, <laughs> and I was like, what is like, what is my angle with rock climbing? <laughs> and I kind of realized that I'm just sort of a, I'm a little bit of a drifter. So I grew up in, in Russia until I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, you joked that you clipped your first bolt climbing out of the crib. That's right. So <laughs> uh, my parents are like really funky and alternative. Okay. They're awesome. And they were trying to, they like really didn't want to send me to a public school in Russia. Cause like it was in the mid nineties, post Soviet Union collapse. Public education system was not a priority for the state. Mm-hmm. Boris Yeltsin was like that old Russian president who was like known for like basically falling over drunk during okay. most like it's like him and Clinton would get together and Boris Yeltsin would just like fall over drunk. Okay. It was a bad scene. <laughs> and um, so my parents put us in this tiny little alternative school and there's the first I was six before the first grade, the whole school went backpacking. Mm. So we all like, which like in retrospect just sounds ridiculous. You're like taking out a bunch of six year olds and like other kids on like a backpacking trip. Yeah. And like 
they would send us out into the woods to like collect firewood and stuff and we were just like that go out there and, sounds like chaos oh my god i have no idea how they did <laughs> and um one of the things that we did was a lot some of the teachers in the school were climbers and alpinists and back then in in russia like the two were really intermixed like all rock climbers were also alpinists and all alpinists mm. were also rock climbers there wasn't mm -hmm. really a specialization and so the whole school went in like top rope at some cliff okay on this like granite cliff and i tried it and i just hated it man really yeah i like i distinctly remember like <laughs> letting go in the middle of this like little dihedral kind of pinching pendulum a little penduluming a little bit and like hitting my knee really hard and then crying and just being like let me down like this is, this is awful we wearing like tennis shoes or something of course yeah yeah and so uh i really hated it i had no interest in it but my parents got really psyched and <laughs> <laughs> my parents thought it was like the bee's knees to go rock climbing and also my the whole my entire like school which was like 15 people or something got really psyched too and so we would go to these um we went to this like local gym there were actually two gyms in in the city where i grew up i grew up in the Yekaterinburg, which is a, a city of, it's a major city. It's like over a million people in the Urals, which is the middle of Russia. Wow. And we had some really awesome coaches and they sort of, they kind of welcomed us and started teaching us things. And so I definitely started out as mostly an indoor climber. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid. And like I, six years old. Yeah, six years old. Yeah. And at first it was kind of fun. And then I like had this coach who was a, a woman and she I think started to see some potential in me and so she like started pushing me a little harder and I started competing a lot and I like I was awful at competitions mm. um, I did pretty well just because like probably the field at that age wasn't that big I always competed with older kids mm -hmm. but um, on my last competition over in Russia so my coach knew that well, actually, my coach didn't know that we were leaving the country. Like, my parents had to keep it quiet that we were leaving the country right until we left. Okay. Because at that point, um, it was dangerous to, for people to know that because they would know that you, like, sold your apartment and had a bunch of money. Mm. Um, and there was this very, like, real risk and danger of being basically, like, kidnapped or assaulted. Wow. Um, so they, like, kept it really tight ship and... So we didn't tell a whole lot, a lot of people. So this last competition, um, I topped the route in qualifiers. And I think the finals route was like supposedly even easier than qualies. So I was like, and I was the only one to top in qualies. And so I was going to like finish out my Soviet Union climbing <laughs> career on the high note and win this thing. Uh, and I just totally botched it. I got so nervous. Oh, uh, it. really? It's like, I don't know. Have you ever been so nervous that you can't move? Mm-hmm. Like, that would just happen to me in competitions. Wow. It was, like, utter, utter stage fright. Yeah. And, like, I am awful. Like, it's just, yeah, I have a really hard time with with that stuff. Hmm. So. How old were you at that point? Like, 12? 12. 12 okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just turned 12. And so, I was sort of happy. Like, I always assumed that I would, like, get over it somehow in my, but really, like, the sports therapy at for 12 year olds in russia in the 90s wasn't <laughs> the pinnacle of existence so so who knows what would have happened 
My, yeah, my coach was like really, really heartbroken to see us leave because she. Hmm. I think we had kind of a pretty tight bond with her. Mm-hmm. But so, and and we would climb outside a little bit, but honestly, we didn't really know much. We would like barely knew how to lead climb yeah. outside. Although my parents would have us like, my parents would send me. I was like ten or eleven, maybe, and my younger brother Greg, who was me, uh, you know, eight or nine at the time. They would send us up a cliff to like set up top ropes for them. <laughs> I mean, off these fixed anchors and everything. Uh-huh. But they just had a lot of trust in kind of us doing things the right way. Yeah. And so we like, we knew that if we were going to do something, like it probably should be done right. But hmm. didn't, didn't know very much. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. And so then we, we moved to the States and we continued to climb indoors a bit in Cleveland. Okay. But it was like kind of rugged. Cause, yeah. Um, we my parents were working all the time just to make ends meet it was a really really rough time for them and so we had to bike to the climbing gym which was okay. not like a it wasn't like a casual like five minute ride <laughs> it was like it was just it was maybe like i remember it being hours i'm sure it was like 25 minutes <laughs> maybe 30 <laughs> but um but so we we got out as much as we could um but then that also kind of had to be a little bit tempered because we were kind of not the best behaved kids, like mm. mostly well behaved. But I rode my bike kind of recklessly, so I ended up like in the hospital one one day. Okay. Like, I hit a car. The car didn't hit me. I hit a car. <laughs> I hit a car. Flipped upside down, like flew over the hood of the car. Oh man! Landed on my head and just woke up in an ambulance. No like, way. Asking me like what if I knew what my name was. My younger brother in the ambulance, who I'm sure was just like, I'm sure that scarred him. Yeah. Like I feel terrible about that. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just got in. We just were like constantly making things harder than they had to be hmm. with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just biking recklessly like landed me in the hospital, which like my parents had to cover the bill somehow. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like just. And so we kind of continue to be indoor climbers and try to pick up a little bit on the, on the youth competition scene, which um, I was going to ask about that. So you kept competing a little bit, a little bit. It was like, but it was just a joke, right? Hmm. Like in, in, uh, in Russia, they would like have these big competitions with lots of kids and it was really, really serious. And it felt uh, just like there was a whole pipeline of moving kids from, from the youth program into the adult program. Huh. And in, in the States, there was this thing, EBS, which became ABS, Eastern okay. Bouldering Series, uh-huh. which became um, American Bouldering Series. And it would just be like a bunch of stoners, like, <laughs> and like, kind of like hippies, like in these bouldering comps. And there would be like one, just one youth group instead of proper age groups. Mm. And it just felt really silly. Mm. And like, as a youth, you could, you would climb on the same boulders, but you would, you could use any feet you wanted. Oh, so interesting. They setting like proper youth problems. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure it was more serious than like Boulder at that time or something like yeah. that, or on the West Coast. Because I know Ethan and like Beth Rodden, all Ethan Pringle and Beth Rodden yeah. were competing as kids, mm-hmm. probably around maybe even earlier. So there's probably more of a scene, but we were there was no way my parents were gonna send us to like California to right. compete with compete with like these these guys yeah and so um it became pretty clear to me that that just was like not really 
Oh, and my brother beat me once too. <laughs> and that was like the end of my competition career. <laughs> so for a long time, I thought I could be better than him yeah. in cl- climbing. And that was kind of the first, the first rude awakening that he was actually much more talented than me. Hmm. How much younger is he? He's is, two years he's younger. Okay. Yeah. He's just like way more talented than I am, than I will ever be. Huh. Um, in more things than just climbing, <laughs> for sure. Uh, he's like a better software engineer, a better climber, better looking. Like, just, there's no. <laughs> um, yeah, so and then we started, um, go, and then I started going outside a bit. So okay. we would climb at this local crack called Hinkley, which was just awful. Like, it's just low ball boulders and top ropes. <laughs> it's like near Cleveland? Yeah, on crumbly sandstone. Huh. Yeah, that's the reason then, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> and then someone took pity on us and drove us to the Red River or the New River Gorge. Um, okay. When I was, I don't know, I was probably 14. My brother was probably, or maybe I was 13. My brother was 11. Mm. This was like some 17-year-old kid, maybe 16, mm-hmm. driving a 13-year-old and 11-year-old five hours away to go <laughs> climbing. Oh, my like, gosh. This is just like thinking about it just it's insane um like i'm sure he didn't know anything like i don't even remember his name i'm sure he had no idea what he was doing this is a he, kid you met at the climbing gym or something yeah exactly <laughs> and he was like psyched to go take you a, have a car <laughs> yeah <laughs> it just so it was rad um and then we got on this i remember the first drought we tried it was called flight of the gumby Okay. I think it was like a 5'9 or maybe even a 5'7. I don't know. And I just yeah. remember being terrified. Really? Yeah. Like leading on bolts on this like thing of the new, which was probably kind of old school rated. Uh-huh. And that first trip to the new didn't really hook me, but I remember going to the red the first time. Mm. And I remember going to the red and climbing a couple of 5'12s, including a, what used to be a 12C and that was a 12B. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like... I don't know if it was climbing a high grade and being like super psyched or just the community was also really supportive. And like at the time, like you didn't really see kids climbing in those zones. Hmm. It was a little backwoodsy and people just really, really welcomed us. Wow. Um, And they really were encouraging and were like super psyched that they were these like crazy little Russian kids like climbing (laughs) on these like routes. Uh They were just really like... Now that I think about it, that's probably what, what brought me into the outdoor climbing scene, really. Just, mm. like, being in my, like, mid-teens and just receiving all the support from the community over there and, like, mm. kind of running into the same people over and over. And and it felt like I I told you this before, but I was, like, a pretty shy kid. Yeah. And in high school, I, I can't say that, like, I had a couple of close friends, but I we went to this private high school on like a mega ultra scholarship greg and i did okay in cleveland yeah um and it was pretty it was an amazing school but it was pretty like pretty waspy and like what do you mean by that just like a lot of rich kids from cleveland Mm -hmm. and i was like just like a broke kid from like (laughs) we were living like a high rise like Uh these kids had never these kids like didn't know anyone who lived in an apartment uh-huh. You know, this was just not a concept to them. Yeah. And I mean, some of them were incredibly awesome and I'm still friends with some of them. Cool. Okay. And they're, they've become, um, they're incredible people 
some of them I couldn't couldn't care for. Mm. I think the school was amazing that that they gave kids like us a chance and mm. huge fan of the school. But that being said, I just it's not like I just had a really hard time connecting. With yeah, that people. sounds isolating. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the climbing gym, I had a few few friends, but it was also like the crowd was a a bit older. They were ancient. They were probably in their mid twenties. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm thirty three. It all seems so silly. Uh-huh. But I think like connecting with people around something that meant a lot to us, even though I didn't know how much it would mean to me hmm. at the time, was pretty powerful. And so I got kind of like sucked into that, like started transitioning from an indoor climbing kid to an Red River Gorge climbing kid Mm. and then kind of progressed made my way through the grades at the red river gorge and the new Mm -hmm. and dude back then they were like oh yeah this is all just training grounds for going out west oh it was like wait till you get to rifle (laughs) wow okay and like american fork and it was like people at the red were saying that yeah and then we took a road trip when i was think i was like 16 to american american fork and we got there and i was like oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> it was like, what? Like, I just was really confused because we were supposed to be coming from this like backwoodsy, totally like mediocre climbing area. That's to, like, funny. The, the Mecca. To the Mecca. And then we went to Rifle and I was like, eh, this is a little better, but still kind of like really slippery. <laughs> really slippery. Well, truth be told, I also probably didn't have a right good time because like the Red River Gorge does not teach you how to rock climb. Mm. So I probably, I couldn't stand on my feet. I was wearing like blown out shoes. Later mm-hmm. I got a Mad Rocks sponsorship, but I'm okay. not sure what's better. Like wearing <laughs> blown out shoes or Mad Rocks. It's kind of a toss up, honestly. So. <laughs> what are you climbing now? I was climbing Las Portivas for like the longest time. Yeah. Las Portiva Mirror was like my go-to. Okay. And this is going to be directed directly at Las Portiva. Okay. So. I had to switch from Las Portivas. Oh, no. Because their shoes kept delaminating on the front. Mm. And I'm climbing in Scarpas now, and mm-hmm. they don't fit my foot as well, mm. but they're so much better made. And like, they last so much. I'm like, you know, I'm a software engineer, but $200 for a pair of shoes is $200 for a pair of shoes. <laughs> so, like, I've never looked back. And okay. they would have never lost me as a climber. Mm. Not that they care. They're like, who cares if my cushion is not climbing in Las Portivas? <laughs> but they would have never, I would have still been climbing in, Las, in the Mira Velcros. Yeah. If they just didn't delam on them like, <sighs> you'd be, all the time. You'd be promoting them on the podcast I right now. I would be like, now. these are the most awesome. So now I'm, I'm a Scarpa, <laughs> Scarpa man. Okay. And uh, I've kind of figured out my size in those. And What's the quiver? Because you do, I mean, from like 13 plus granite stemming to, you know, steep, thuggy sport climbing to bouldering. You must use a variety of different shoes. Yeah, I, I didn't really have my shoe shoe game dialed until recently. Okay. <laughs> I would just use like the mirrors for literally everything. Okay. I would go like climb. And this is the the lace-ups? No, the, I should say the Velcro. I think the lace-ups are awful. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the lace-ups are like this like... You climbed uh, L-cap in mirror Velcros? Yeah, and, and TC Pros. Okay. Wow. But, but like the lace-ups are this like... you Have you ever looked at like a, a used pair of the mirror lace-ups they're like a it's boat. like a it's like a boat shape yeah it's just totally. like what is going on there i know they added the p3 rand i think to like keep them downturned yeah and i haven't tried them since that. i don't think they really work really but i see them still boat out 
<laughs> but the the mirrors were just this incredible shoe that like i love the velcros yeah the, the velcros i should keep saying mirrors they like you can really be aggressive with your toe and mm. i would climb everything in them from like off with to um to like compression yeah boulders and i just didn't know what i was doing i was trying to like toe hook in them and <laughs> and the crack climbing kind of hurt um so <laughs> i just i feel like when i was a kid we just didn't have any resources to like really it was like you get one pair of shoes and you wear them until your big toe is sticking out right and well like when i started climbing dude we were wearing like galosh you know what a galosh galoshes are yeah we were like climbing like tight galoshes (laughs) it was was just really weird and then they would also take like sneakers like uh you have like some vans over here that i see yeah take vans and like would put like some sticky rubber on them and call that a climbing shoe yeah yeah it was ghetto dude (laughs) but then like as i got resources like in my mid-20s i was working a software job i could afford a bouldering shoe and a track climbing shoe and the sport shoe but i just didn't even think about it i was like oh yeah these fit and these work mm-hmm. and i was like oh but i can't toe hook for some reason I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm just not strong enough <laughs> so, I just, so it like didn't cross my mind um but now i'm all like i got like my toe hooking shoes i got my heel hooking shoes i got like you're getting dialed I, i'm getting i got like oh i have a box of shoes over there that, like, yeah yeah that all for different purposes it was cracking me up to talk to you at the cliff the other day it sounds like you've just recently become dialed in a lot of things you know from climbing to the way you're eating to you know all these other like lifestyle disciplines that you've implemented in the last few years and i was asking you about some of your free routes on lcap i want to get to that i want to get to how you ended up in san francisco and what got you out to to lcap and what piqued your interest about free climbing lcap routes but you've done four of them and some hard ones i mean they're all hard yeah, but all. you're just joking about like how much of a junk show you were kind of on all of them <laughs> and you're just kind of winging it on on all of them so i want to dig into that yeah so um i feel like i just have more time now to think about these things and more mm. resources kind of like why did i get dialed in well like i only work four days a week right now okay and i'm not super stressed about work i love my work but like ever since i was like a kid to up until like a few years ago i was just always super busy and trying to like fit everything in Hmm. and so i just felt like i just was always like running around with my head cut off okay like i was always like basically i felt like i was like fight or flighting it the whole time interesting just didn't have time to like think about anything with school with climbing with different interests like yeah with school climbing with like school and climbing and then work and climbing okay because like i worked pretty rigorous jobs in in the bay area okay and so they demanded a lot of me like my coworkers were not driving to yosemite to go climbing mm. they were like watching a bit of netflix on the weekend like psyching themselves up for a work week they were there to work um yeah and, yeah. and i was like trying to fit it both in and also a relationship mm. with my partner and so like it just i felt like i was like if something's working okay, like I'm just gonna do it uh-huh. because I just don't have time. I I mean I'm sure I had time. I could have could have like taken the like not gone every weekend, but gone every other weekend. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I just felt like I was rushing around so much. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the uh, progression there. So the first one was free rider. Yeah. Well, I can I can kind of backstory it a little bit. Yeah. Let's continue do it. that thread. So yeah. So like 
after the red, I moved out to the West Coast. I went to Stanford, and I kind of fell out of climbing for about a year. Okay. I was like really interested in trying to see how much beer I could drink. (laughs) Was it a lot? No, I throw up so easily. (laughs) And it was just like, it was just such a waste of time. I made, I made amazing friends Uh during my first year of school that I still, we just started doing a weekly call with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we're still all really close and like a they're, zoom call or something yeah they're wonderful people like they've taught me so much about being a human as opposed to being like a climber hmm. and i just i like wouldn't trade them yeah they're just incredible and one person in particular rohan has just like like got me through so many tough times that like no doubt that like that was amazing and i met them all within like the first three weeks of university amazing and we bonded over like seeing how much beer we could drink right but but in, i mean so yes great but also like probably there were other avenues to do this but mm. everyone was psyched on that and then um it, i kind of had a really hard time trying to get back into climbing because well one i was probably like 10 pounds heavier hmm. and also like super like just totally out of shape Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried track climbing and we had this awesome Alpine club at Stanford okay. where they would like, students would teach other students how to track climb. They would uh-huh. like take them out on trips. They would, they had these levels where if you wanted to like learn how to build natural anchor, there was a class for that. You wanted to like do something else. There was a class for that. That's you, awesome. You wanted to like learn how to track climb. There was a class for that. It's all shut down now because of liability reasons. Because okay. like we can't have nice things now in the Damn. United States. Yeah, I know. But back then, um, so I didn't take any of these classes. <laughs> <laughs> I just got, people were like, oh, you climbed 513. Great, let's go climbing. And then they just gave me the rack. <laughs> and, and like put me on Romantic Warrior in the needles, which is this like 512 minus. Uh-huh. And I like tried leading it and I was on the crux pitch and I fell. And I, I ripped out every single piece I placed. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's this, like, sort of trap. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, it was <laughs> overhanging. It was, like, this one page was traversing and slightly overhanging. Uh-huh. And it ends up that you can, like, sh- there was, like, a you can shock load. I didn't shock load the anchor because there was a pin two feet from the anchor. Okay. So I shock loaded the pin. <laughs> but it ends up that you can fall there safely okay. without, like, shattering yourself. Yeah. But yeah, it was just like you ripped a whole pitch. uh, It was, it's not a very long, so caveats, not a very long pitch. I was probably 20 feet away, 25 feet away from the anchor and and it's kind of a traversing and rising pitch. And I probably at that point had placed like three pieces Mm -hmm. and I ripped out every single one. (laughs) And I don't think like any of them had a chance of holding. It wasn't like even close. (laughs) And there's a sort of this tragic photo of me like hanging there at the end of a rope like look like kind of slumped over and uh it's just i had no idea what i was doing and Mm -hmm. i just wasn't really people just on the west coast people were like oh you climb hard you must know how to do all these things Mm -hmm. like how to place a piece of gear how to equalize an anchor yeah how to like they didn't have an stand on a smear they didn't have access to a red river gorge style thing exactly and so i just was pathetic at it (laughs) and i had this like so I kind of sour track. I was like track climbing. I'm never doing that. That thing sucks. Mm, it's painful. Mm. My feet hurt. 
Like, this is scary. I'm going to hurt myself. And then I would, like, go for half a year. And then some other buddy would be like, because everyone was a track climber around me. And mm -hmm. they'd be like, hey, you want to go climb Astro Man? And I'd be like, oh, not really, but, like, all right, let's go try it. Hmm. And and then we, like, we try Ast tried Astro Man for the first time. And I had this, like, heinous rash outbreak the night before. Oh, I think it was chicken pox because I was, like, didn't grow up in the United States, so I yeah. never got chicken pox as a kid. <laughs> so I'm up there in Astro Man, like, itching and scratching. <laughs> and we, like, get benighted on route. We only have one headlamp. My buddy's, like, oh, you, you're strong. Like, why don't you lead this, like, last, like, scary 510 pitch in the night? And we somehow get to the top. I brought flip-flops for the descent. Oh, the descent man. is, like, a rigorous heinous chas gully that goes on for hours it's like notorious uh -huh. people have like gotten hurt in there all kinds of bad things have happened i take two steps in these flip-flops and like one of them just explodes <laughs> like it rips apart <laughs> so i gotta walk down this astroman like with one flip-flop and the other foot just bare oh man and it was just like it just rocked my world. Like, I was like, I did not have fun. I did not think the route was that good. I was just like, kind of like, this all sucks. I don't want to go track climbing. <laughs> and uh, the sport climbing around the Bay Area is like, it leaves something to be desired. Hmm. I later found better spots. Yeah. But Where were you going? Oh, at first I was going to Jailhouse. Okay. And Jailhouse is like, I, dude, I love Jailhouse. Okay. The community there is incredible. Uh-huh. But if you're psyched on Red River Gorge style sport climbing, mm. do not go to jail. <laughs> it's like overhanging, super nibari, uh, really specific, um, kind of rugged, mm. like sometimes not type one. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I would show up all hungover, like it was just a junk show. And then like, I just felt like climbing wasn't really working out for me for a long time. I was like struggling to stay fit. I was trying, struggling to balance climbing with drinking and, <laughs> and school. And I was doing really well in school and pretty damn well at drinking and like not so well in climbing. And Were you going to the climbing gyms at all? We had this like terrible little wall in school. Okay. And I didn't have a car. Mm. Um, and so making it to Planet Granite, and, which is a climbing gym in Sunnyvale, which is a rad gym. It was like mm. kind of an ordeal. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, I started making it to the gym a bit more and met a few folks who were uh, boulders. And we started going bouldering outside. And I went to Bishop in, like, 2007. And I just got psyched. Mm. Um, you know, like, my, my friend Moses Potter used to say that, like, back in the early 2000s, I was probably too late. You didn't even need a crash pad because the sand was just a clap. It was so fluffy. You could just <laughs> land and the sand would cradle you uh -huh. back when, you know, Chris Sharon was putting up Mandala. Uh -huh. But it was a bit of a different scene back then. Hmm. And I like climbed my first like V8 and then climbed my first V9 and just got like really, really psyched to Boulder. And that kind of like sucked me back into hmm. climbing. Okay. Um, and then... The progression was such that my friends who were boulders all of a sudden started to experiment with track climbing. Okay. Because, like, the beautiful thing about the Sierras is that there were a set of people who were, like, really motivated to free climb and free climb hard. And bouldering is a great way to get strong. Mm -hmm. And so my buddy Walker Emerson would, like, learn a little bit about how to track climb. 
And then Greg, my brother Greg, also moved out to California at that time. Okay. And Greg hiked to the top of Alcap with our friend Fernando Moto, who's unfortunately no longer with us due to a base jumping accident. Oh, okay. But was just like such a light and such an inspiration. He had one of the early ascents um, of free ascents of free rider, and he okay. was working on the Salafe. Got it. And Greg came back from that trip just with this like, his eyes were just like peeled back. Hmm. He just was like, you won't believe like what it's like up there on hmm. the south. They had wall 3000 feet above the, above the floor, free climbing. And I thought I saw sort of like, uh, dude, I tried this track climbing thing. It sucks. <laughs> it's awful. Um, and, uh, but then him and Walker, like him and my buddy Walker Emerson partnered up, him and my buddy Dan Urban partnered up and, they started like climbing these things. Him and Greg Kirshner, my brother, and Walker Emerson went and climbed the Moonlight Buttress. Okay. Um, which is the free route in Zion 512. Mm -hmm. And I started getting jealous. Interesting. I was just like, oh man, like I, I always felt like I had the sense of like a sense of competition with my younger brother. Yeah. And he was like, so he at that point, he like so he climbed 514 when he was really young, probably like nine or something. No, oh. not, not that young. <laughs> but like, you know, like late, like before, certainly when he was in high school. Yeah. And I was like, I got to climb 514. And then I managed to climb my first one, like in 2010 when I was, uh, I must have been like 23 or something like that. Okay. Uh, Real quick, how far did you progress at the Red before you moved out? I did this thing called Nutch Papa, which is a 13D there. Okay. Before I left. Yeah. Which actually, like, with thinking back about it, like, that's proud. I'm thinking yeah. back on myself, and I'm like, damn, dude, like, you were, you were, like, pretty strong. Like, you, if you just... Because that's a really bouldery one, right? Yeah, if you just stuck with it, you, like, you, like, could have been accelerating instead huh. of, like, decelerating. <laughs> but that wasn't to be. Mm. Um, and then Greg started, like, doing all this, all this um, track climbing, and I got, like, pretty jealous. And, like, because the position looked out, looked out, like... Him and Walker attempted the nose and got bowed hmm. just to like get up it. Mm -hmm. And then they like went and got up half dome or maybe they, I can't remember if they, they probably got up it. Maybe they didn't, but I was just like, damn, you guys are, you guys are doing well. Mm -hmm. And so I like reluctantly bought a rack <laughs> with like one of my <laughs> first paychecks <laughs> and started trying to, uh, like this was 2010 and started trying to uh trying to track climb yeah and that's kind of how i transitioned and then i like swung really hard into being a track climber interesting um why um it's a good question i'm so like yeah, would when, you say you like it now what do i like track climbing yeah. i love it dude okay it's yeah. like like leslie was asking me what my philosophy was and i think that my philosophy ultimately is just like i like to take whatever is best Mm. Um, and when you live in the Bay area, the best climbing you have is all the free climbing in Yosemite. Mm. It's hard to argue that like there's anything better in California than the free climbing on El Cap. Mm -hmm. And there's all these barriers for why you shouldn't do it. It's scary. It's hard. It's really hot up there. It's like, <laughs> or it can be really cold, really uncomfortable. <laughs> and... And for like a long time, I was just like, I don't want to do it because there's all these barriers and I'm not interested in it. And then all of a sudden when like other people 
like Greg showed up and he was just like, well, I'm just going to do it. I was like, oh, you can just like say hmm. that and go do it. You don't have to like make a bunch of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, um, I just like swung really hard into it huh. and got really obsessed because I realized all of a sudden, and then it kind of became a snob about it where I was like, oh, if you're not climbing on like LCAP, like you're not really rock climbing. Interesting. Um, which was obviously obnoxious and like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're in your like mid twenties. You don't know anything about. You're allowed life. to be obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be, but it's like <laughs> that's how I was. Um, and so I realized that this was like the best we had, and I all of a sudden got really, really deep into it, hmm. and like um, and went hard, hard at it for maybe like six years or so, mm-hmm. um, or seven years maybe. Yeah, it sounds like each of the four that you've done. So you did Freerider, Golden Gate premiere and then i think your most recent one was el corazon yeah with greg mm-hmm. sounds like they all had there was like a junk show element to each one yeah. is that is that fair to say oh man so i <laughs> no one ever taught me how to track climb no one ever like people just assume because i was like proficient climber they assumed that i knew how to do things mm-hmm. and i didn't know how to ask the right questions so i like i just I would go climb with people and I would try to like learn from them as much as I could. Yeah. And like an example of that is I, I went climbing with my friend Alexi who was like, at the time, I think he was in his fifties and he had been climbing for only 10 years or 12 years. So he started climbing really late mm-hmm. and we got on the rostrum in Yosemite, mm-hmm. 11C, like iconic. And there's this one off with pitch and he like sent me, I wanted the leads for some reason. And he like, gave it to me and I I was like almost perished and was like cr- <laughs> almost crying and was like I don't know if you have those moments where you're like if I get through this I'm never doing this again uh-huh. it was definitely one of the, I've had a number of those moments in my life <laughs> and that was definitely one of those where it was like if I ever clip this anchor yeah. I'm never going track climbing ever again <laughs> like ever and I like got through it and just was like and he and, and he climbs it, and I get to watch him climb because he's following, mm-hmm. and he just floats it. Wow! This guy who's been climbing for less the time than me, who's like at that time I thought was really old. Now I realize like fifty is not that old. Yeah. But that was sort of like blew my lid off. Mm. And then I like dedicated myself to becoming a good off with climber, hmm. and I like spent all this time sticking myself into these gashes in Yosemite, <laughs> and to become proficient. Uh huh. And I, I did become proficient. I mean, I'm probably nowhere nearly as good as like a Honnold or Schmikey Schaefer. Yeah. Like probably not even close. Yeah. But I, I'm like a comp, like an off with doesn't scare me. Like, yeah, if it's an off with pitch, like I'm psyched to lead it and I'm going to do just fine in it. Okay. So like that's kind of was the learning experience, like getting really bouted and then kind of like stepping back and like learning from it from a little bit. And so Greg was really psyched on Freerider. I wasn't like. I thought it was way too insane. Hmm. But then like this sense of like, oh, he's really psyched and it seems rad. I should really go check it out. So I would like, I went up there and like wrapped in a third of the route. We weren't fixing lines. We were just like wrapping in and climbing out. Mm-hmm. And I wrapped in there with like a rope and like a really thin tagline that was barely working. And then like climbed out with my girlfriend at the time who was like, she didn't really know how to, track climb (laughs) so it was like all it was like really scary and really intimidating and i don't know just terrifying 
and then we just kept but we kept at it and then eventually like it just like went for a two-day push mm. and like our systems were not optimized <laughs> like <laughs> i was climbing yeah i was climbing with like a nalgene on my harness which is like this big bulky nalgene which is not light we definitely didn't have the lightest gear yeah we sort of like we just had what we had and we didn't know any better and we didn't think about it that's awesome and then like we tried to try really really hard yeah and like barely like just like at one point, Greg was wearing these like cotton Walmart pants, and at one point they like completely like started disintegrating. <laughs> I don't. I think I was wearing like some crazy like dress pants that I thought were like good for rock climbing because they like allowed me to high step. Uh-huh. So the wardrobe was definitely like ghetto. I'm sure we had like the wrong stove that wasn't light and the wrong meal because like just a bag of radishes. We just like we weren't. We didn't come from like a yeah, we didn't know how to do all these things that, like, how to, like, set yourself up for, like, a lightweight, like, really, like, streamlined mission. Yeah. It was sort of just, like, well, this is probably going to work. Mm-hmm. And, like, sure enough, it does. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. Like, with all of these ascents, it sounds like they all had an element of that. But you still pulled it off each time. Yeah. And so, I on Freerider, like, there's this pitch called Scotty Burkhoff with at the top. And I try to lay it back because I thought that was gonna like i don't know why i think some people lay it back others don't mm-hmm. and i whipped out of it and this nalgene that was attached to my harness <laughs> flew off my harness <laughs> and plummeted to the to like the the base of Alcap. <laughs> that was like it was the i was just like okay <laughs> that's gone don't have any other water but it's fine because we're near the top it was just like it was kind of like that where like a lot of little things would go wrong Uh but overall like we were just like stubborn enough to keep at it and to keep pushing and as a result we got to the top Mm -hmm. with a free ascent so that was definitely like and i was just like i'm never going back up here again this sucks (laughs) like i'm so tired (laughs) and like that was like definitely type two fun i had to try so hard yeah but like yeah it it kind of worked itself out and then so then the second route I climbed was Golden Gate. And that's like a, it's, it has a, shares the first half with Freerider. Okay. And then you go right. There's a video of Emily Harrington on it. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty awesome video. Yeah. At Petzl yeah, made. I'll link to that. That's yeah, it's, great. It's, it's, it's rad. Emily did an awesome job climbing it. And Walker and I decided to do it in two days. So keep in mind, these things have to be constrained to two days because that's all I had. Uh-huh. I just because you're just weekend. driving out from weekends for yeah. weekends. <laughs> so, so it's like, well, how do you make an ascent in two days? Well, you climb one half in the first day and the second half in the second day. That's how you do it. And I mean, I'm definitely not the first person to do all this stuff. Like, not even close. Jim Herson, who uh, I think you said you interviewed Connor. Yeah, they go that style, except like even way more badass okay um and so it's definitely like that style is definitely was alive and well in yosemite Um, just the fast free ascent style just like making it work with your job okay style got it instead of like we're gonna go to yosemite for three weeks Uh. and we're gonna like prepare the wall (laughs) and then like you know like rehearse it when the conditions are right yeah we're gonna like (laughs) we're gonna go and like 
have this ma- magical ascent. It was just like, oh, it's not raining that weekend. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going for it. Uh-huh. And if we can't get it done this weekend, well, it's host because, like, likely, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to get back to it Man. next weekend. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure. Like, you'd be standing on some smear on some like 5.11 pitch mm-hmm. on Free Blast, which is the first part of Free Rider. And like, a thought crosses your mind. That if you slip and you blow this pitch, you're like, how much work have you put into this climb? Hmm. And if this is your window right now and you don't have another opportunity to climb it, to me, it can be just like a daunting amount of pressure. Yeah. Uh, And it's kind of like, can be kind of grim. I want to dig into that because it's fascinating to hear you say that when, from my perspective, you perform outstandingly under pressure. You seem to really respond to it really well. It's interesting to hear you talk about the competitions and how you got so nervous that you totally shut down. But then when it comes to your outdoor climbing, I mean, like that thing I read about you and Sam, you know, you take a 25 foot whipper after eating your cookie and then just pull right back on and it's like do or die time and you just like make it happen. You said you channeled all your emotions into that moment. Where does your mind go when it's that do or die time and you just need to make it happen? Because Greg has this too. Is it a Russian thing? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's weird, right? Because I think that I climb really well when the terrain is really easy. Okay. Because it's easy and like ends up that like, if you're healthy, walking down the sidewalk is not that hard. <laughs> and if you're like, have been climbing for a while, it ends up that like climbing five, nine is not that hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I climb pretty well when it's really, really hard. Hmm. You talked to Nathan Hadley a few uh, maybe a month ago now. Yeah. And, um, which everyone should go listen to. Nathan is awesome. Uh, and climbing with Nathan was, he's better than me kind of at everything okay. in terms of climbing. And so it's really hard to keep up with him. Yeah. And so, um, as a result in my, when climbing with him, I have to often go into this mode of like, this is like slightly out of reach. And so the only thing I can do is just try like unbelievably hard and like and just focus on like my breath and focus on just like i tried this whole screaming thing for for the first time this past summer this whole screaming thing yeah like you know how like chris sharma yells all like, uh-huh. i imagine like imagine chris sharma eating breakfast he's probably just like <laughs> takes a spoonful and just like chews a little bit and then just like screams because yeah exactly <laughs> or like adam andre <laughs> these guys probably like yeah like tying their shoes know, they're yeah tying their shoes they're probably yelling (laughs) but but so um it ends up that like yelling is actually kind of powerful Hmm. um because i think it like one tightens your core and two just like gets you psyched gets you amped up Hmm. so that's one tool that i've introduced just like yelling my brains out yeah like as you're doing hard moves or how are you using that yeah like sometimes i'll do it to like pre-psych the bit you saw okay. it in Vienta, some like yeah. Yelps came out. That's totally new to me. Like if huh. you saw me climb like two years ago, I wouldn't have made a peep and probably would have fallen off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's best when it comes out naturally as with most things. Right. Yeah. But if you got to force it a little bit and like, I hate when people like start yelling for no reason. Right. It's like a pet peeve of mine. They're like on some like pretty relatively mild terrain then just start yelling their guts out yeah just because they saw chris sharma like yelling in the video <laughs> uh-huh. probably when i'm 40 in like a few years i'll look back at this what i said now and like 
think that it's really silly for me to like judge people but right now i'm still just like ah what are you doing dude like just stop yelling um and i kind of always thought about that about people yelling in general but now i realize it's a super powerful tool and and like definitely can be used does it apply on some really hard technical climbing like a hard stemming corner like on premier I think the problem with the stemming corner is that you're like at the crux and then no hands rest at the same time the whole way. Interesting. So like, you're right. You're like, <laughs> so it's just kind of brutal because I mean, you can yell your guts out, but you're just going to be like, you're going to be, you know, stuck in this no hands rest. Like it's, you got to be more methodical there. Yeah. Usually this is better for physical things. Okay. But the, I guess the point being is when it gets so hard that I just like can't process outside information. Yeah. I think I climb pretty well because I'm a pretty intuitive climber. Mm. Um, but I really, really struggle in that like 5, 12, and 13 minus range. Huh. Because like my, my mind can wander. And I read like the inner book of tennis, you know, like yeah, the yeah. psychology book. Yeah. And I read this other thing about like some uh, great book by the way yeah like to it. there's another book that this woman in salt lake city wrote about sports psychology that i think it's been going around the climbing circles yeah we can find it later okay like nick barry read it i think and like sam elias read it okay sam elias is in it i think um awesome book and i've tried all that stuff but i still find my mind kind of wandering when the climbing is hard enough where i have to try but not so hard where I can't think at all. Mm. And the result's kind of brutal. Like sometimes I'll blow things when I really shouldn't be blowing them. Hmm. Um, and on like a big route, like on the 35 pitch route, I kind of struggle with the middle pitches. Interesting. With like the the 512s where it's just important to like execute and climb really well. Yeah. I'll like overgrip and mess up my beta. And the result is that like, on the 35 pitch route that all adds up mm -hmm. if you like close scrimping and just like brutally yarding on tiny crimps on like some slab where you really should just be walking on your feet yeah like you're not really setting yourself up for great success uh-huh so that that pressure can just like be and i'm sure people feel it like everyone feels it like on the sport climb you on an easier section mm -hmm. i'm sure people like feel that pressure to climb well and maybe they don't and I'm sure boulders don't feel it because they like on the rock for like two seconds. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so yeah, that's kind of how huh. I, I think about that stuff. Okay. So with, when it's hard enough, you just kind of get lost in the climbing. I think you kind of, that's the only way. Like yeah. when it gets really hard and, and you're, you're really tired, you just enter like, I'm in this like tunnel where I can't think, I can't breathe. I like can't i'm in just like total flight mode i'm like i'm a pretty good like fight or flight i'm like a fight or flight kind of person i think okay and i'm i have trouble when it's a little bit more chill and then you gotta like be a little more relaxed and okay but i'm getting better like huh. for sure i'm getting better like there's no comparison 10 years ago for how, who i am as a climber now than than what i am like Things change all the time, and, mm -hmm. and it's definitely getting a lot better. Hmm. Cool. I want to read another section of your piece about the premiere. Yeah, let's do I it. Because I have a question about this. This is, I think, the, the final paragraph of that piece. And this is talking about you and Sam topping out on the last day. 
We dispatched the introductory pitches of day six with ease and arrived to the final crux, a 13B blank layback corner. After a five-hour siesta, we were ready. Each failing on the first attempt, we dispatch on the second try. An hour later, we are at the top. We hug, and I tell Sam how inspired I am by his climbing and how much I learned from him. And it's interesting because you knew Sam way back at the red. And I think earlier in the piece, you joked that, you know, at first you met him and you were you were uh, warming up on his projects and then eventually you guys were both warming up on his old projects. And then nowadays he warms up on your projects. <laughs> yeah. Sam <laughs> was I, super talented, which I love, but what are some things that you learned from him on that ascent? Oh man. Like, see, I don't really get to climb with that many people who are professional climbers. Yeah. Cause they're usually have more flexibility than I do. And they're usually looking for like, people who have the same type of flexibility Mm -hmm. and whenever I get a chance like climbing with Sam or climbing with Nathan or like the tiny like three seconds of cragging that I did with Mikey Schaefer Mm -hmm. it's always just like so cool to see how they approach things so with Sam just like watching him watching his footwork on like Sam, like as far as I understand, Sam had never even like seen a piece of granite until he showed up to Yosemite. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it's probably not entirely true. I'm sure he's done things, but like, yeah, but he certainly didn't know how to place cams very well. Yeah. And then like, (laughs) and by the time we were done with this whole thing, like I felt like he was like a way better Yosemite climber than I was. Wow. And because I think he like has done so much climbing and so much outdoor climbing and he's so, Sam's a thinker. Mm-hmm. I'm like, when faced with a situation, I often resort to like, kind of like try and fail method. Like, okay. well, if this doesn't work, let me try something else. Uh-huh. And Sam actually like uses his head, which is kind of cool. <laughs> he seems super analytical. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh, okay. Like maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And he like definitely had more than one pair of shoes on the, on the premiere. Mm-hmm. So he like, was thinking about his, his footwork. <laughs> so like his footwork was just impeccable. Hmm. I was like, dude, you never climbed granite before. And you're just styling all these crazy, like there's one thirteen minus traversing slot pitch hmm. that I thought was hard. And Sam just like danced through it. And I was just so, I was just like, Whoa, dude, like that's pretty amazing. So I thought I was really impressed by his skill. Hmm. And it was another one of those moments, like, like one of those moments with, with my 50 year old friend, Alexi being like, this guy can climb off with, like, he's not that strong Hmm. and being like, oh, he's just skilled and I'm not. Hmm. And with Sam, it's like, well, this guy's actually really strong, but he's also really skilled Uh and I'm not as skilled and it has nothing to do with strength. Hmm. I mean, of course you like, they say that like, you're supposed to like stay on your feet and stuff and you, but like realistically, like if you can't do a pull up, you probably are not going to be able to climb like right. uh, 14A without like, you can stand on your feet all you want. Yeah. But, um, and with Sam also like seeing him use gear was really awesome. Like he was really thoughtful about like how cams were placed, were being placed. He introduced me to offset cams, which okay. I never, I always dismissed as like a gimmick and huh. so those things are awesome. He brought some, even though he'd never really done much track climbing before. Well, he just brought a bunch of gear because okay. he's a black diamond athlete and they get yeah. that stuff. Okay. As far as I understand, <laughs> where I was like, I only got these scams, no, I'm not buying anymore. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, and, and so 
And like the way he thought about the push was like, I plan, okay, but he like definitely took it to the next stage. Mm. He also got a bunch of beta from Justin Shong, one mm-hmm. of the first the first ascensionists. And I was like, oh, it ends up that like you should talk to people who previously climbed the route hmm. and you might get some really good information. Hmm. Yeah, just like to me, climbing was always just like you hop in the car, you get somewhere, you like try it, you do it or you don't, and then you go back. And hmm. then it's like you hope and then you jump in the lake and it's like <laughs> and it's been an awesome weekend. Uh-huh. And with Sam, I was like, oh, you can bring the same level of analysis and thought and skill as you do to any area of your life. Hmm. It doesn't have to be this like mystical, like sometimes the smear like stays and sometimes my foot pops. <laughs> like, well, maybe you should think about your body positioning. Huh. And like, and of course, like I had, it wasn't like I was just like totally oblivious. Totally, like, yeah. But it just, I saw it at a whole different level. Helped you appreciate it on a new level. Yeah, yeah. And, and that really pushed my mindset. Hmm. And also like Sam showed up without having, like I was like, I'm, I was like, I've got this like resume in Yosemite. Like I've climbed everything from Nutcracker to like free rider. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ready for this. Or like I wasn't ready, but I was like, I have the resume to back it up. Mm-hmm. And he shows up and like the first thing he gets on in Yosemite is like premiere, mm-hmm. which had only seen two ascents at that point. It was just sort of like that mindset of like, you don't have to walk. You don't have to like, take every step if you're a seasoned climber who's experienced hmm. and like knows what they're doing mm-hmm. like you don't have to show up to the crag and climb the easiest thing and then like progress through you can just get on the hardest thing hmm. i mean premier is definitely not the hardest right it's one of the harder ones and that's okay because you can leverage you can like learn on route and it ends up that like if you climb some five eight in yosemite it's not gonna like teach you how to climb really hard stuff yeah so maybe you learn even more by getting on the harder stuff. I don't want to encourage like ugh, one of my pet peeves is like <laughs> everyone in the universe is like projecting free rider. They're all like my goal for the next 2 years is to climb free rider. Right. And I think I I don't know if you ever read Steve Bechtel. Uh-huh. But Steve is awesome. He's like dude, if you're making it to the gym like once a week, you're not being free rider. Like <laughs> yeah. like be realistic. Yeah. What are you doing to pursue that goal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Climbing one day in a, and a I week don't, at the gym. I don't want to like make it sound like, and I hate the aspirational thing where people are like, just go for the biggest thing you can. Because mm. I think it gets people, It's it can be really unrealistic and mm-hmm. people like sort of drop off pretty quickly because that goal does seem so out of reach. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think I'm maybe not aspirational enough sometimes. Interesting. And like, and I, I benefited from being, from seeing, and I think my brother Greg is like a lot more aspirational than I am. And I always like learn a tremendous amount from him. Hmm. So, yeah. When we were at the cliff the other day, I was asking Leslie, your partner, Leslie, if she had anything that I should talk to you about. I was looking for like a funny story or something like that. And I think she said that, well, he's just like annoyingly disciplined. <laughs> That's so, that's like, uh, I feel like, I feel like there's just so much chaos in everyone's head Mm. that everyone seems to be like, I don't know, maybe some people are more buttoned up than others, but I always feel like I'm just kind of gliding and kind of being like battered around by all these objects that I'm hitting. Ah, okay. Like without any, it's just, yeah, it's just. You don't feel as dialed in as no, other people never, perceive you. I never feel dialed in. Okay. I'm That's always really feeling unprepared and always like <laughs> feeling like 
I don't know. I think there's a certain amount of anxiety in, in the world right now. Yeah. And in general, like even before COVID. Right. Um, and when you're embarking on like a long multi-pitch climb and you're like, there's all this, these thoughts that are going through your head of like, did I bring enough food? Did I bring enough water? Do I have the right cams? Like, is, the, is it going to thunderstorm? Mm-hmm. And it's like, all that is swirling. And it's like, I think that's why I like track climbing because it allows me, like once you step off the ground on like a, let's say you're going to climb Astroman. Mm-hmm. Once you step off the ground, you have what you have and you don't have what you don't have. And there's nothing you can do about it. Hmm. And you can like be a stressed out train wreck or you can just go up there and enjoy it. Hmm. Um, and I think that, yes, it might seem like maybe Leslie thinks I'm disciplined. I think she's more disciplined than I am. Interesting. But that like anxiety is always swirling. And I think that's why I really, I think that's why going on long climbs really has sort of changed me in a way because it allowed me like an outlet to just like be like, well, the anxiety can stop because there's nothing to worry about now. Okay. So it's like, it kind of allows you to feel more what it's like to be like a non-anxious person, which I think is kind of cool. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that answers your discipline question, but I think, well, yeah. I, I do want to get to some of the specific examples she had. I mean, you are, you actually mentioned this one earlier, but she said like, yeah, he's been off sugar for a long time. I think she said you're also off alcohol. Um, and she said you're really dialed in on your sleep. I can't remember. I think she named a, a couple other things, but is that just a desire to create some more control for yourself? And I'm also curious, have any of those things really helped? Like what are some of those things that you, that are really important to you? Man, she makes me sound like I'm a, like a, like the <laughs> epitome of, <laughs> epitome of modern existence, which I, <laughs> which I really don't think I am. Um, I think that all these things I had to arrive to out of utter necessity okay, and like utter like being like so beat down that I just had no other option. You had to do it wrong for a long time to yeah, find the right yeah. thing. Interesting. Um, yeah. So like with alcohol, like, like, I don't know how other people feel, but I def like, if I have a drink tonight, I'll feel it all the next day tomorrow. Hmm. Like from I, one drink. Yeah. From one drink. Yeah. I just like kind of feel like a little fuzzy headed, a little unmotivated. It makes it kind of hard for me to work. It gets me like pretty hard for me to like do really anything. I mean, I can, I'm fully functional, but I'm just like operating at 80%. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that I just like, really hated that feeling so like dude i love beer mm-hmm. like brett kavanaugh loves beer i don't like brett kavanaugh but i love beer <laughs> and so and like i'll still occasionally have a drink it's not a hard rule but i went from drinking every single night i had a beer every single night throughout mm. my 20s okay to now i have only an occasional drink mm-hmm. and like with coffee like i love coffee like, I'm just such a sucker for all these things. Yeah. I, like, totally love it. Are you off coffee now? I'm, I'm like, I just, when the pandemic started, I, like, wasn't sleeping. Okay. I, was like, had, like, awful, awful sleep. And then I read this book um, called, I think, Why We Sleep. Yeah. And it was, uh, I was like. It's like Matthew Walker? Yeah, Matthew yeah. Walker's yeah. like, you're dying earlier. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I got really scared. And I, like, stopped. And then we listened to this book called Caffeine by Michael Pollan. Okay, yeah. Um, and it was just like, coffee is this like crazy addictive substance and everyone's addicted to it. And I was just like, 
oh my god i'm gonna perish and so i like freaked out and stopped huh. like that's not discipline that's just like more emotional reaction <laughs> and so i haven't had caffeine in three months okay and i've been sleeping wonderfully wow um, but how much I'm, were you drinking like i was only drinking like one black tea in the morning wow yeah interesting and with like sugar like my teeth are just like a giant disaster okay i like we grew up in the country with no fluoride in the water okay like whoever people especially around here in the northwest Mm -hmm. they're like don't vaccinate our children don't put like fluoride in the water Mm -hmm. it's like well it ends up that like public health is actually important (laughs) and like if you don't go up with those things you end up like with a mouthful of dental work and so it ends up that like sugar is like kind of hideous when you have like bad teeth and all this dental work so i've like had to be really careful with that Mm. so i'm not um i don't get to these things because i'm just like i want to be like the pinnacle of human existence Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh man this is really grim i'm like not sleeping or like feel totally off or like my teeth hurt it's just like i gotta do something and i'll try a bunch of other things and just be like well there's this one obvious thing i could do Hmm. so why don't i just try and and it's like so taboo in our society to be like well everyone else is drinking like why don't you have a drink Mm. and it's like well there's um i read this crazy book about like my friends brad magnolia recommended it by this woman annie grace i think that was basically like it would just made you never want to have a drink again. Really? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> super grim. I don't want to read it. <laughs> it was super grim. <laughs> and that made it a lot easier for me to stop. Okay. Because she was just like, here are all the negative implications of drinking. And mm. here's all this powerful marketing around drinking. And it's like, stop and think for a second about how we got here. And it's like, if I wasn't like heinously hungover all the time, I probably would have never gotten to that point. Mm. But that book really helped me shift my mindset. Hmm. So, um, so yeah. How's your performance shifted from these things in the last couple of years? Um, I feel I'm 33 yeah. and a half and I feel uh, amazing. Okay. Like, I just feel like I am in the best shape of my life. I'm not all jittery on the first pitch of the day. Cause I just had some coffee and I'm like about to like slide off this foot smear. Cause like, I can't keep my foot like from like wobbling around um but that's because i never was like i never felt that amazing in my teens or 20s i always was like i always felt like slightly off and i was like like i think just always like either too tired not getting enough sleep or like slightly hungover or something like that so Hmm. it's definitely made life just a lot simpler Hmm. and just a lot less feel calmer feel i just feel better man Mm mm-hmm yeah, I can't say that, like, I mean, I'm climbing pretty well. I can't can't say that I'm climbing, like, the best I've ever climbed, but I'm sure, I'm sure I could climb at the peak right now if, I, if yeah. I focused on one aspect of it. It seems like a lot of that's circumstantial and just yeah, bounce yeah, around just, and stuff. It's, like, like, when I was trying to boulder really hard, I just went to the gym for six months and trained. Okay. And I, like, bouldered my hardest. What and was then, that? Uh, like, oh, what man. was the goal? I just, like... So this was with Lattice. Um, oh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> oh, man. I, let's do it, man. I want to hear about this. So you did a Lattice assessment. I, Leslie and I quit our jobs in 2017 and traveled the world for a year and a half. Okay. Had a lot of fun. And then I was like, I think I just got really spoiled. And I was like, I don't want to just be climbing like 14 minus. I want to climb harder. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, saw all these people who were, I saw, in, I saw Instagram training and I got, I got psyched and I didn't really want to do a ton of self. Like I wanted to, someone else to build the plan for me. Yeah. And so I took the lattice assessment and I was like, my goals are to climb 14 C. Mm -hmm. I like, I can climb 14 B like somewhat reliably, but definitely takes me quite a bit of effort. Okay. And I was like, I want to climb 14 C and I want to climb V13 and same mm. with V12. Like I can do V12, but it definitely takes me a long time. Mm -hmm. um, the ones that are not soft. <laughs> and, uh, and they came back and, and they took the assessment and they were like, we think your goals are definitely realistic. You're clocking in right now at 512C finger strength. What? <laughs> no like, way. We think it's your years of experience that are really <laughs> assisting you. It just blew my lid off. That's shocking. Like from a for a kid that grew up from six years old climbing and all the climbing you did when you were young. Like all my experience is that people with your history always have like the steel tendon fingers, you know, that can just hang on to everything. Yeah, dude, I can hang on any five twelve C out there. <laughs> and so, wow. And it was like sort of like it shattered my world. Did you do the test right? I think so. It's not that hard. It's not like the SAT, man. It's not that hard. Uh, and then they gave me they gave me the six month plan, and I yeah. was like so religious about it. I didn't miss a single like rep. Yeah. And I like did it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I can't say that I had a lot of fun doing it because I right. barely got to climb outside. A um, lot of hangboarding and gym bouldering and, and yeah, stuff like that. Just a ton. Yeah. And then I like went bouldering after that and I felt great. I felt strong. Yeah. I, and I bouldered my hardest and I was like, I hit the goal. I like climbed V13. What'd you do? I did this thing called teacup in Leavenworth. Yeah. I mean, I think it's on the lighter end of the grade. I think everyone. Maybe. Not anymore. I think it broke. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can claim the harder grade for the broken problem. Um, but then I like went to Waco and had a good, good trip where I was climbing v11 and v12 pretty quickly awesome but then i went back to waco a year later mm -hmm. so this was this past year and i wasn't all trained up mm -hmm. and i definitely was like not climbing nearly as well mm. but honestly i probably had more fun interesting and i was just kind of uh -huh. like well less, less pressure or something uh i don't know i just like kind of like i was like really enjoying hanging out with my friends and yeah yeah i can't say i was putting a ton of pressure on myself the first trip either just um i don't know just had a really good time and i nice. and i was just and the first trip was amazing too mm -hmm. but i just realized that maybe i'm like not the best at at training hmm. that was my conclusion <laughs> did you do another assessment after all that no, I didn't want to tell. I didn't want them to tell me I had like 12G finger strength now, because <laughs> I could track the numbers, right? They're uh -huh. like, how much did you improve in the six months? Oh, not a ton, man. Yeah, like finger strength wise, it's really slow, huh? Because the the benchmark for everyone's like 20 millimeter edge or a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. half grim position, body weight hang, right? Mm -hmm. Like for like five seconds. That's like. I think that's what they say for 514 climbers. Dude. And I'm like nowhere close. Yeah, same. I needed to like, I think at the beginning of the training, I needed to take off like, I don't know, like 17 pounds. And by the end, I had to like take off like 11 pounds or something with a, mm -hmm. with a pulley. So it was nice progression. But I couldn't, I got lighter mm. because I, 
because I was climbing the gym so much. Mm -hmm. And I was, so it was like, it wasn't clear to me that like the methodology was paying off or the fact that I was grinding so hard in the gym and like lost a little bit of weight. Okay. So, <laughs> but there, I mean, I, I like recommend lattice. They make it really, really easy for you to train. So okay. I enjoyed the experience. I'm just not sure I would do it again. Got it. You have a gritstone board in your office slash fitness room and that's your gym right now. So what have you been doing on that thing? Oh man, I'm like the worst hangboarder. <laughs> I get really psyched and I'll do two sessions and then not do it for like three weeks. Uh-huh. It's just climbing to me is it's movement. Mm. It's like community. It's being at the top of a long multi-pitch. It's being like at the top of a big highball boulder or like climbing some beautiful thing in the like Columbia River Gorge out here. Mm. I find it really hard to motivate on the hangboard. But hmm. that being said, Leslie and I went to Planet Granite, which is the local climbing gym this morning. It was a lot of fun. Oh, you did? This yeah. morning? Uh-huh. Okay. So It's open again. You have to wear a mask. Okay. You have to make a reservation, and uh, there's very few people in there right now. Yeah. So. Uh, Interesting. So it was rad. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I am definitely the terrible person at training. Okay. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to some more patron questions. I have a few more. So Adriel Stokes, he wanted to know if you ever climbed in the New River Gorge much. We talked about your time in the red and how at least early on that attracted you a lot more than the new. But it sounds like you went back and ended up climbing it both. He wanted to know about your time in the new and if you had any take on the the new and the Red River Gorge kind of rivalry. Oh man, the controversy. <laughs> Yeah, there is no, there's no comparison. They're both amazing. They're awesome. totally different. They are so different. Um, the new is still a bit off the beaten path, so I'm not going to hype it too much. I kind of want it to be to remain that mm-hmm. way. But I, as a kid, we would always climb at Summersville Lake because we would be there in the summer. Oh yeah. Like I climbed at both these places when it was like a hundred degrees out. Did Tara do a deep water solo film about that? She, Summersville Lake? Yeah, she did. Uh-huh. That was awesome. But I'll we share were, that. There's actually a crag on the lake that's that's dry. Oh, okay. Not like no hitting water required. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that basically the new? It's in the on the Gauley River, which is uh, another the new so the new is actually one of the oldest rivers in the world. Okay. And wow. And it flows in a funky way where when the explorers, the white people, reached the the new coming from the east coast. They thought they were close to reaching the West Coast hmm. because it like flows in a different direction. Interesting. Um, and then there's the Gauley River, which is um, a neighboring gorge. Well, it's not. It's like she went over. Okay. But it's um, it would have been probably another. The gorge wouldn't have been as deep, but they flood the. They control the um, the river, and oh, there's okay. a dam called Summersville Dam. Typically, dams are named via the city that's the town that's closest to the dam okay um but in this case the closest city was gad okay so it would have been uh gad dam so they named it <laughs> summersville dam <laughs> and seriously yeah uh and it's like god country right you can't like yeah yeah so they like they must have the biggest pun in in the united states <laughs> and but then the crag at the new is Summersville, they call it Summersville Lake, Crag. Mm. But in the summer, you can go swimming, you can climb, you can do a little casual deep water soloing. Although the listeners should figure out if you can actually still deep water solo. I know there's a lot of restrictions because mm, okay. rednecks keep like getting wasted and like 
plummeting off cliffs and Yikes. perishing. So okay, you gotta do your homework before you yeah go the, deep the water regulations. Anyways, um, I got back to the new um, much later, maybe after like a much significant absence, and I was just blown away by the quality of the stone, the huh. quality of the lines, and the beauty of the place. So, cool. dude, if you if you could ship me to the new for like three years i would say yes okay wow for sure wow um if you could ship me to the red for three years i probably would be a little less enthusiastic because i spent so much more time there got it but honestly i wouldn't be opposed either <laughs> nice alec peterson wants to know if you have a favorite climbing sector at the red and same question for the new oh man the red um the mother is always close to my heart because back in like the like 2005 to 2010 which is when i was there mostly it was sort of like the crag mm. it was one of the first zones developed in that in the southern region so mother is amazing the chocolate factory is also just mind-blowing mm. and then the dark side and the solar collector and the <laughs> gold coast are amazing mm. and the new i mean the new is less it doesn't have necessarily crags. It's just a cliff line. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of times that you go specifically for a climb. Okay. Uh, but the one crag that does exist there that's mind-blowing is the Cirque. The Cirque. And the Cirque is like, I think everyone would agree that the Cirque is the hands-down like best crag okay. for harder climbing than you. Cool. Yeah. Just stellar. Nice. He also wants to know if you have any climbing heroes. Climbing heroes? Yeah. Dude, every time I see people climb, I'm like blown away. Yeah, I'm always so impressed by everyone. I mean, you had Peter Croft on, no, no doubt about it. Like legendary. Yeah. Um, I got to spend the day climbing on the same wall as Alex Huber a okay. couple of years ago. Uh huh. He's just like legendary, definitely a hero. But like, I have so many people that I look up to, like Charlie Egan, who's been spending a bunch of time in Vienta this summer, mm -hmm. and like, F, like putting in all this work. And like gluing together that wall and like drilling <laughs> all those bolts. Uh -huh. Dude, he's a hero. Like I look up to <laughs> yeah. him for sure for doing all that effort. And like like anyone who's part of the community who's just like out there psyched and is motivated and there I, I yeah, I think it's awesome. Like the community is awesome and I really like think everyone's like brings a lot of value to it. Hmm. So cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, my friend Yasna Hodzic is a patron now. Yeah, yeah. She wanted you to recite a poem in Russian. Oh, I don't know any poems in <laughs> Russian. But uh, but I'll tell you what. I have two two poems that I've been thinking about recently. One is The the Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Okay. Which is like, it ends on something like, um, I'm going to totally butcher it, but it's like... I'll find it and share it in the show Yeah, notes. it's like the final three lines are something like, doesn't everything die and too soon? And what is it that you're going to do with your one wild and precious life? Hmm. That's like one heavy hitter. Yeah. And then there's this other one about about a moth flying into a, a light bulb. And it's <laughs> like the, the gist of that one is like there's a conversation around this person is talking to a moth and it's like, why are you trying to commit suicide? And the moth is, says, oh, you know, life is like pretty tedious and there's, you can have this one moment of beauty. And then hmm. the narrator says, well, you know, I don't necessarily agree with you, Moth, but at the same time, I wished I wanted something as bad as you want this. <laughs> so those are two poems in English. That, <laughs> I think are great. 
<laughs> Will you tell me what you plan to have for lunch in Russian? Ну, я не знаю, наверное, посмотрим, что у нас в холодильнике. Может быть, а только что сделали хлеб, и у нас есть ещё немножко хамус. Так что покушаем. That was awesome. Was hummus in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no... What else did he say? Oh, we just said we baked some bread recently. Okay. Unless he's been baking bread. I got into it a little bit too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the ultimate white people thing to do. <laughs> so what we're doing. White people in Portland thing to do. Dude, it's like so obnoxious. But it ends up that it's actually pretty tasty. Nice. Nice. Do you still speak to your parents in Russian? Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. So you practice and it a text. lot. Text in Russian. I they text in Russian. I text back in English. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they <laughs> their English is good because they both teach college. Okay. But um, they definitely can't express super like it's harder. They when my dad talks to talks to Leslie, he's really great and he like gets everything across, but it's just a little slower. So, okay. Yeah. Got it. Is there anyone else in your life that you speak Russian with? My grandma, who's unfortunately like not doing. She's she just had a couple of strokes, so she's definitely still with it. But that's that's another person. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, whenever it's always oh, I have, dude. We were hiking. I showed you this photo in our room of hiking into the Tory Range. Yeah. And we had this hideous day of like huffing a load in there, uh -huh. and we come across these people heading the other way, and we've been hiking for so long, and and I asked them like, how far is it to the camping spot, and they start talking among themselves, and they say. In Russian, they like, they didn't know. They thought it was an American. Mm -hmm. They were like, uh, "What do you think? Like, should we tell him the truth, or do you think we should just like make him feel better?" <laughs> <laughs> and so I repl I replied in Russian. I was just like, "Oh yeah, you just you know tell me the truth." And they ended up being great guys. I think they actually, <laughs> if I'm correct, I think they actually base jumped off of like partway up Saratory this past winter. Oh wow! But basically, uh, it's really fun to come across other Russian speakers and like. Hmm. chat away yeah, yeah i'm sure that's a rare experience for you these days actually portland has a big russian population but, really but yeah but okay. um but i yeah it's it's fairly rare i read like i'll try to read books in russian okay and like yeah i try to keep up with it for sure but cool. it's definitely gotten worse <laughs> what is something that you've been feeling especially grateful for lately Oh man, it's like you're sitting in this house right now. We have this amazing place in Portland. This place is awesome. And we both have jobs and both of my parents still have jobs. And I get to just like go to these local crags that are fairly sparse and like climb whenever I whenever I want. And my job is really fun and really amazing. So it's hard to like I get down about little things just like everyone else. Hmm. Like, there's no question. Like, things bum me out. Mm -hmm. But um, it's really hard to not step back. I just saw this homie, like, riding back from a climbing gym. He had no arms and he was riding a bike. <laughs> he had this weird, crazy thing attached to, like, the handlebars. <laughs> he would twist his shoulders and steer it around. Wow. And the guy was jamming a boombox. <laughs> just, like, psyched. I was just like, this guy has no arms. <laughs> He's rolling around. It's the pandemic. It's like, what? it just felt surreal. And I was just like, how could you not be psyched on what you have, still have, and hmm. still... We're just so obnoxious. Like, coming from, like, a starved Russia and, like, being... Sitting in this place right now, 
Mm. And like everything that our parents did for us and just like, it's hard not to step back and just be like, my life is so amazing. So yeah, lots of things, dude. <laughs> lots of things. What's next for you? Do you have another El Cap route that you're looking at? Well, that's yeah. a great question. Yeah. So I'm like the worst at planning things um, okay. where I'm like, you know, an El Cap, it's like, you got to find the right partner. You got to line everything up. But that being said, the Salafé had a wall mm. is probably the best pitch in the universe. <laughs> and i haven't and i haven't freed it uh-huh and have you tried that one yeah okay it's really hard yeah and i, I don't think i can retire from there's these things that like i said that like if i ever climb v13 i'll be happy if i ever climb 514c which i haven't i'll be happy mm-hmm. and i think that's like the triple crown i'm like and if i ever climb the salad they had wall i'll be happy and i can just retire and hang <laughs> my boots up and start like playing rummy or something so <laughs> So, yeah, so um, I think in the fall, I'm definitely, like, the fall, the spring season for Smith got blown out because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a raging pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully in the fall, we can incorporate that. I'm really inspired by Just Do It there. Yeah. It seems pretty out of reach right now. Okay. But, um, but hey, crazier things have happened. <laughs> You've already put some time into that one? For sure. Yeah. Um, it's, Yasna was asking about that one, too, actually. She should, she could, she would crush it. <laughs> oh, yeah. calling her out. All right. Yeah. She should I agree, actually. She yeah, should totally she get on it. Crush it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that would be awesome to put more effort into it. And then at some point getting back in the South, they had a wall would be, for me, would be like a dream come true for sure. Awesome. I think it would kind of complete my journey as a, as a climber. Hmm. Do you really think that like with the V13, do you feel like you've ticked that box and you feel satisfied or, cause for me so often, before you even reach the goal, the goalpost moves. And it's mm. kind of this never-ending process, right? I've been climbing my whole life. And I, I've i hit so many of these goalposts. Like, first, I was like, oh, if I ever climb 14A, it's going to, like, be the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. And that was satisfying for a little bit, but definitely not long. But now, like, I've kind of said these final... Like, it sounds so so drastic. I'm like... <laughs> talking like my climbing career is over or something like that. But I really don't think I'm going to be super motivated in life to like progress to like 9A mm. or, you know, 14D. Like maybe I could do it, maybe not. But I think that for me, it's becoming more and more important to just spend time. Like I've been spending a lot of time in the enchantments in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this has been, it's been super awesome. And I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be like, grinding really hard to push myself super hard mm. and that makes me think that i should just fit all that in now <laughs> so i think if i climb just do it i will be a satisfied sport climber for the rest of my life that's awesome i will still want to go out and climb awesome 14 a's very often yeah because i think sport climbing is awesome i love it and i love pushing myself but i don't think i would feel the need to progress in grades further got it and that's me talking now. So cool. see what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Tell me about your plans this weekend with Nathan. Nathan is, um, so I think he's been exploring a little bit up and um, up around that, this climb called Vanishing Point on Dolomite Tower. Yeah. You guys climbed that one together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an awesome day out in typical fashion, like <laughs> Nathan cruised and I barely squeaked it by. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I definitely was screaming up there, dude. <laughs> Scaring all the birds. Uh, and he's interested in like maybe thinking if there's another route. So I just got a drill. Oh. A hammer drill. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be bringing that up there. But I'm excited to check out some of the local stuff that maybe can be bolted. Okay. And I think I can learn a lot from Nathan in terms of route development. So part of it is helping him being selfless and part of it is being selfish and seeing how he his systems operate. Mm. I've just realized that like it's so much easier to learn from others. Mm. That like if there's an opportunity to go help someone, like it's like if your buddy if you're a thirteen A climber and your buddy's working fourteen A you might as well go out and like belay him because you might, you probably learn quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And same, like, I'm interested in getting to route development. He knows how to do it. I might as well just go and help him and see what I can learn. Hmm. Cool. Did you, when you were climbing Vanishing Point, did you feel like there was potential for, for more hard free climbing on that wall? Dude, I was like surviving. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I have this terrible, terrible pattern of not being able to get any sleep before big climbs oh man i've never slept before a big climb you know i was talking to tara this spring and she said that greg's like that too she said that he's just laying in bed next to her just sizzling like a piece of bacon like he just like can't stop moving and tossing and turning is it anxiety is it like anticipation Yeah. yeah i don't know okay I mean, I don't, at this point, I shouldn't be anxious about like getting on the 512 that's 10 pitches long. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I have like the resume to like, but to me, it's always just like, <gasps> like it's huh. a big route. Like, yeah. how's it, how's it going to go? It, and it's not that explicit. It's just things start churning. But uh, yeah, I just was working so hard and like, I almost fell off the first pitch, which is 510. Wow. And this thing is like a 13 pitch 512. Because you were jittery or, wh- or what? I just was so tired. It's like a three hour approach. I hadn't <laughs> slept. <laughs> I just had like a hard week of work. Yeah. It just, I was like, oh, I'm feeling so bad. And then like, and they, and yeah, so like looking around, it just wasn't my priority. So uh-huh. I have no idea. I hope, I hope so. I, mm. It's a cool mountain. It's, a re- it's really stunningly beautiful. Hmm. You could see like, See far and wide up there, mm-hmm. and uh, and I hope something works out. Yeah, so we'll see. Cool. I thought we could wrap up with me reading one more thing. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> this is uh, this is actually the final paragraph of your premiere. I'd forgotten about this one, <clears throat> but I really I really loved it. It was a great way to close that article, and I think it's a good way to uh, a good thing to leave people with here. You wrote, "As I drive back to San Francisco, I feel completely hollow inside." The climb that has occupied a spring and half a summer is finished. I burned through a gallon of adrenaline. The only person who knows how I feel is Sam, and he's driving the opposite direction to Salt Lake. Eventually, pride and a sense of accomplishment will percolate into the empty hole left by tearing Premier out of my heart and mind. But today, I fill the cavity with coffee and IPA and a bit of sad music. It's funny. Sometimes you want to stand on the summit more than anything in the world. But as you mantle the summit block, you wish you were still tying the figure eight at the base. There it is. <laughs> and like, I don't think, I think I could only write that right after I, I've done something like that. Hmm. There's no way I could write anything like that, like sitting right now, years later. Hmm. Well, Mike, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing your writing with me and, uh, and with our listeners. And thanks for welcoming me welcoming me into your beautiful home and for sharing your stories.
yeah i appreciate it man it was it was a ton of fun to talk for a while good (laughs) good i'm glad best of luck this weekend be safe out there and i hope you learn a lot yeah thank you cool all right man take care